We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. My my guests this week are already losing their shit. Uh, I don't know why. I don't. It's not like anything. Do it's not like anything happened the first time we tried to start this podcast. <laughs> Jessica didn't I'm so, I'm almost so start an electrical fire with her laptop or anything. It wasn't even that much water. <laughs> hey, I don't have a co-host this week, but like I said, a couple of guests. My co-hosts. From the Trend Pony podcast, which you can hear on the Unpops Patreon and Supercast. Clickety clack, clickety clack. Nay! <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Singer and Jen Scott. Say hello, everybody. Hello, Hi. everybody. Love you. <laughs> oh, man. I think I think the adrenaline from me spilling water made my edible hit. <laughs> oh, that's very possible. Oh. Well, given the subject matter this week, it's a good time for your edible to hit oh yeah to the story for sure because we're definitely we're talking about a documentary a very fun documentary sort of fun it gets dark at times i would say a good documentary i wouldn't call it parts of it are fun parts of it are fun fucking fun yeah i thought it was (laughs) aggressively fun (laughs) i think it's fucking fun okay fun Never had Jen, more are you fun. from Chicago? <laughs> Maybe. Oh. Me and Sass go way back. The it's Squatch. Fun. Yeah. So we're talking about a documentary series on Hulu called Sasquatch. <laughs> Three episodes, around 45 minutes each. Not too unwieldy. Can I just say I was so pleased when I... Okay, so I've, I thought it was going to be a movie, and then I saw a docuseries, and I was like, God damn it. And then I saw it was only three episodes, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. That is okay. Yeah, and that's allowed. this is something that was layered enough where it needed more than one episode. I don't know that it needed all three. I it could have s- been no. two. I the last two, two could have been... Edited into one. Yeah. And I think it, it may be a movie. Maybe it even. Could been, it could have been a two hour feature yeah. easily. But you got to expect that these days. Everyone wants a series. It's a Duplass Brothers documentary. So that's a positive sign. They We're tend always happy for them. I also heard recently that they're nice to work with. I could see that. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Good if so. And, if uh, so. Yeah. When One is- time I was on set with Mark Duplass and he was reading a hardcover book the entire time. That's right. Wow. I was like mad props. Like he was so into just whatever he was doing. It was fabulous. So this documentary is about a an investigative journalist named David 
Holthouse. Uh, what did everyone think of David Holthouse? I really liked him. I also liked the reveal as to why he um, got into investigative journalism. That was way later. The thing that happened to him when he was a kid. Right. It was a twist I was not expecting that made everything make way more sense. I really liked David. I thought they did a really good job of establishing that we as the audience believe him to be a sane, like variable. You know what I mean? Like we're like, okay, this guy gets it. And we think he's a little crazy, but it's all to prove a point. Well, he's also a really good like investigator. Like he always leaves when he asks people questions about things, he always leaves holes in it to make sure that they're both actually talking about the same event. Yeah, I, I really like that. Where he's like, I'll never name the exact date of something when asking about it. So yeah. They- I, I appreciate that he's very objective about it. He's, yeah. not, he's not chasing one theory and just hoping that that theory is going to be true. Like he actually peels back the layers of this because it's, it's a crazy story. Yes. And it's something and, that he experienced. And did they ever go over? Because, okay, so it starts, uh, can, can I say? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> fall, set the scene. It's fall 1993. I'm it's just an about animatic to recreation. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the animation. I did too. I thought they did a really good job style-wise. I like the disclaimer at the beginning that some of the interactions were recreated. It's like, you weren't talking about the animation, I hope, because I picked up that that's not what that really looked like. <laughs> This animation didn't happen in real life. Just seen it. But it's like fall of 93 and he's going up to Northern California to Mendocino County, which is part of the Emerald Triangle that grows all the weed. It's right after the height of the war on drugs. And um, it's like where all the weed farms are that are really great uh, and really terrible. (laughs) See, I feel like you're already condensing this in the way the documentary should have. Like exactly. All you need is uh, after they the height like of the war on drugs. On the war on drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was unnecessary. But Which go is on. Like, I'm we sorry. know about the war on drugs. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we don't. Maybe, Maybe we this don't. Is for Gen Z. Yeah. They know about it. They know more than we do with some of that shit. Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> but um, and there's I I just don't know if they ever went over if he was weed farming. It must have been for for another article. He must have been investigating something, right? Yeah, but he did say that he did a little work on the farm like the day after he got there. So he was he was there to work, but also clearly there for a potential article. Yeah, I guess you know just, how farming jobs go. It's just kind of like, I'm around. Well, yeah, and like, you're going to pick up some sketchy shit. I'm sure he was like, I'll see something and I'll write about it while I'm here, too. Yeah. yeah. And then um, a guy busts in who's all methed out and is like, Sasquatch just pulled apart three men up at this other fucking place yes and it's like that's and that, the beginning right that sets the stage yeah that is he's basically everything you said he's he's at this weed farm where he's been either working or doing uh journalist work and these dudes bust in and uh go up to the boss of this place and they're like three dudes are dead we saw the bodies bigfoot did it yeah and they're scared Like, I felt like that was a really important part of it, too. Like, they seem terrified and methed out. And I also thought it was interesting that he's like, I do not tell this story because it's so scary. Yeah, he was like, I never wrote about this because it, like, actually fucking scared me. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that's going to unnerve any person just being in the room when two other people come in and go, hey, I found three people murdered nearby. Not only murdered, ripped apart. Yes. 
I thought also that this part was funny when they were like establishing the woods and they were trying to make like these beautiful, gorgeous Northern California woods that are like so majestic, look horrifying. And I was loving it. I was like, I was like, this is seriously one of the prettiest places in the world. And they're like, show the no trespassing sign. <laughs> it is. I've driven through Humble and like back yes, down. All weed farm, farms, of course, no trespassing. Yeah, but like the redwood, like they talk about how giant and dense the trees are, and it's like not an exaggeration. Like once no, it's you're in there, truly. you do not know where you are. If you sp- go in there, spin around three times, you're not going to know where the fuck you came from. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and it is, it's a sketchier area than people give it credit for. It's very pretty, but sometimes you can get murdered in pretty areas. Too. It always kind of reminded me of Ojai, which was like my little area's version of that, where it's like, wow, it's so beautiful. Wait, there's hippies and racists here. <laughs> what's, mm. what's yeah, happening? weird. California just be like that sometimes. So strange. Yeah, like, it's weird. Cali- um, but also I was like immediately when they said the Emerald Triangle, I was like, oh, I've worked with people from up there. People from up there will like be the nicest people in the world to you but also they will say crazy shit like it is absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah <and laughs> like, like we, yeah it's just that's just how everyone is up there so i was like oh, oh, oh okay this is where we are got it well and jen you were talking to me about this too is like whenever they talk whenever weed people from up there talk about their weed land they're always like they talk about the land forever the yeah. land and how they fought to how keep they it. got the land and all the things they've had to do to keep the land and that is usually what they'll tell you in the first five minutes of meeting them yeah so he's at this farm he this incident happens and now he starts hearing all these stories about Sasquatch and Sasquatch and Bigfoot type creatures just like harassing the shit out of farmers all around the area. And uh, it turns out to be an important detail that he starts hearing those stories after this killing happens. But uh, that's that's for much later in the documentary. So this documentary is basically about him investigating this story. It's a story that uh, he's been sitting on for a couple of decades in like the first episode is all Sasquatch based and it's like finding the history of Sasquatch and people that have seen Sasquatch and showing all the footage and the, yeah. uh, And it, it's, it does. I think that episode does a, or the first episode does a good job of kind of explaining why it's not that crazy that if this was a Sasquatch that did it, why it's reasonable that it would have happened where it did. Yeah. It reminded me it was more logical but reminded me of watching this flat earthers doc I watched where they're just like, I think we've talked about it actually, but they're just like, this is the way it is. And this is why it makes sense. And yeah, you know, um, and I did text Jen when I was watching it that I loved the life partners that believed in Sasquatch. They were amazing. They I were the highlight so of they were the highlight of the whole doc for me. They, they were really cute. He was like, you believe that Sasquatch like teleports? <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. And they're just so cute. Yeah, they were really fighting about whether Sasquatch is a real thing or like an alien or a supernatural. Oh, yeah. Being. Like what type of sci-fi entity Sasquatch could fall fall under, like what powers they have. And also, I thought it was very different that each di- like group of Sasquatch people talked about Sasquatch differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Like, uh, I was like, wow, what a creative thing to believe in. <laughs> oh my God. My other favorite guy from the first one is the guy that had the footage of Sasquatch from 1967. The cowboy guy. Yeah. The Patterson Gilman like, tape. Yeah. And he, w- and he was like, someone was like, Hey, have you ever heard of a Sasquatch doing anything violent? And he was like, no, they are the nicest, sweetest, most like. <laughs> they're so gentle and majestic yeah he like talked about it like what wasn't that they're that guy that got eaten by bears grizzly man yes yeah he was like the grizzly man of the swat the squatch people he was like they're just so nice (laughs) yeah he he was in it there's a lot of what i'm guessing are really prominent bigfoot and sasquatch personalities in here and i imagine he's well he's definitely one of them because he's one of the names attached to one of the most famous bigfoot videos which is the gilman patterson video yeah they didn't. he's gilman yeah they don't talk to patterson right he died he oh, did yeah he bigfoot yeah bigfoot killed him. <laughs> we, all, we all made that joke immediately he bigfoot, sh- bigfoot shot him weirdly enough you don't expect it to happen that way but yeah weird bruh so so yeah this uh there's a lot of stuff about the history of mendocino county and the emerald triangle huge concentration of weed farms in that area and the thing about it it's it's all deep 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 in the woods and the thing about the woods is they are the ocean of the land in that we don't yes. really have a reason to be in them. Yes. <laughs> Get out of there. Which makes makes it reasonable that that's where Sasquatch would live. Because really, all you got to do to survive in, that, in those conditions and also stay low-key is develop a really keen sense of smell. Because if you're a place where humans never are and you can just instantly smell that there's a human nearby, you just fucking hide. So, of course, Sasquatch lives in the woods. I just figured it all out. But there's ah. also weed farmers out there. And uh, this is this starts you know out. Who loves weed? Sasquatch. Sasquatch. They do talk about Sasquatches <laughs> eating buds off the plants. And, and shit. I was like, adorable. Yeah. Adorable. He's getting high, baby. I love the idea of that just being like a cute snack. And I, they were really <laughs> fucking selling me on Sasquatch. They really were. I was, was like, like all right, I guess it w- it reminded me of like when people convince me that there's ghosts. I'm like, OK, I guess you saw it. I guess it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And a there's touch my butt. A, go- a ghost has touched my shoulder before. That is true. <laughs> but- Adam, I know you're a ghost chaser. Have you been touched by a ghost? No, no I've never like seen a UFO. I've never seen a UFO <laughs> despite spending a ton of time in New Mexico. So uh, hmm. whatever. Not it too bad. Yeah. I had it to a certain point. There was like two months where I felt like ghosts kept fucking with me. And then it ended with like, I had felt on my shoulder. Just realizing I, she smoked too much weed all month. Yeah. No. And then I turned around and it was there outside. And I just, and then after like three things happened, I was like, I see you. I hear you. Please leave me alone. And then it didn't oh. bother me anymore. So it was freaking me out. That's what I've always been told to do. Yeah. I went to Zach Bagan's haunted mansion in Las Vegas and I had heard a long time ago that if you're in the room with a ghost just say goodbye when you leave and yeah well i've heard that some of them you. do want to i mean, want to be everywhere saying goodbye by myself now yeah goodbye so goodbye basically, basically every room you exit from now on say goodbye to the ghosts that are there unless it was like built 
you know, just a year or two ago or something like Damn, that. Damn, I did have the most ghost problems when I was just not sit, like just leaving places, mm. like not saying goodbye to anybody. Just being That's like, That's a trip. We nailed it. That's how you get haunted. You Bye. don't say goodbye to the ghosts. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So I did I did appreciate that there was a bunch of history about the California gold rush in this. Yes. Because it does tie into the how that area turned out to be. But more importantly... We really romanticized the California gold rush as if it was not a straight up genocide. Oh, That's, yeah. Yeah. I had never learned. I, I learned about, you know, I'm from here. I learned about the gold rush my whole life. They spent like a month on it. And I genuinely had never put two and two together that like, of course, they killed a bunch of indigenous people during the gold rush. That story has never been told to me that way. And I was like, it felt like such a dumb moment. Guess yeah. what? If you went to public school and you learned something more than once in history, it was a lie. That's pretty Usually, fucking yeah. true. They uh-huh. really tried to hammer in the same ideas every year for certain things. Yeah. Gold rush, Thanksgiving bullshit and like everything else. <laughs> I I helped write Civil War. Yeah. I helped write and edit two different books that are all about that. When I was at Cracked, we put out two different books that are just about all the things you learned incorrectly in Mm -hmm. school. I think I might've shared this on here before, but I had a government teacher that was like, let's look at how the constitution's written in our textbooks and let's compare it to an actual copy of the constitution. And he pointed out like what parts weren't finished, what parts were like enlarged that like were misleading. And then we all researched that they were all made in Texas. Like all that, like, Mm. It was like a lot of that. Yeah, it's all very shady. So So yeah, the gold rush was a genocide. Yeah, the gold rush was a genocide. They touch on that in this documentary, and I appreciate that. But let's get back to Sasquatch. (laughs) So Sassy. Squatchy. Holt House starts talking and asking people if anyone has Sasquatch stories. And at first, it seems like no one does. And then he Hmm. puts a private investigator on the case. I was like, fuck, yes. Hiring a private investigator to look for Sasquatch stories. That's like from these parts too. Right. And he does, you know, finally put him in touch with a few different people. This is the point where they start talking to the Bigfoot video guy, the Patterson Gimlin film guy. I think I said his name incorrectly earlier. What do we think of that video? I mean, why was I sold on this video? No, I immediately was like, he seems small. (laughs) It's kind of the end of the first episode and the beginning of the next episode is them talking about this video, which when they present it in the first episode, it's with nothing but people who are like, I was there standing across the water and it looked at me. And it's like he didn't have a British accent, but and then they like, I was standing there across the water yeah. and it turned at me. And it's that classic arm back and turn. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, classic. Yes. 
And then, I was just like, and also in 19, it's 1967 is the video. I yep. think it's six. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, video quality was terrible in 67. Like, right. Every, blurry which, was like, wow, you did it. Which would make it easier to fake. Yeah. 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 And then they opened the second episode with an interview with a guy who was like, I was in a suit in that video. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like 5'8". Yeah. They go further to say that he's like 5'8". And we got got, honey. And he's I like. so tricked. He's like, look at my right hip. I'm wearing my jeans. You can see my wallet. And I actually <laughs> could not. even have the bottom of the suit on. You couldn't <laughs> see his wallet. I couldn't see his wallet. It kind no, of bulged around his ass. Your brain just wants to fill in the blanks because it's not clear enough. Yeah. Yes. That is also very true. But I also love any por- form of media in which I feel like a magic trick was done and I was tricked. And that's definitely how I felt beginning of episode two. Jessica had like, texted yeah. me. I feel like I believe in Sasquatch the same way I believe in ghosts. And I would like just didn't respond because I was like, <laughs> wait till the next episode. <laughs> well, but, but that was just I was also obviously smoking during this whole thing. <laughs> and I thought about that and I was like, yeah, like I believe that people believe they've seen it. And then I was like, wait, no, I've had experiences with ghosts. It's not the same. (laughs) I've never had an experience with a squatch. I have. Stop it. Before that first episode ends, he gets in touch with a guy who is just awesomely named Razor. Yes. Do you think it's because he's so good at trimming? Oh, maybe because he cut you. Yeah, I wonder if it was if it was like a fake nickname and his real nickname's Blade. And he's like, "What? You changed it to Razor? That's not Scooter. That's not enough. Scooter, Razor Scooter. <laughs> he's named after the Razor Scooter. So he does say he remembers hearing this story, and he adds uh, a couple details that there were three Mexican nationals; those were the victims, and that they were killed in the area of Spy Rock Road. Which is is as cool of an area as the name implies. If you like danger and potentially being murdered, uh, murder. It's but it it sounds it sounds really great. Uh, His story seems very believable. And then Holt House gets his text from the detective, and he's like, "I can't do this anymore. We're we're getting into dangerous territory." And it's like, "Holy shit! Did that private investigator talk to a Bigfoot who threatened him?" Bigfoot Mafia. Bigfoot Mafia. Yeah, at that point when his life gets threatened, if you still if you still think it's Squatch, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It would have been funny though if like a Bigfoot lawyer showed up wearing a suit and shit. We will sue I don't you. The whole, I don't picture the whole suit. It's just a collar and tie. And then oh it's a little pocket protector in the fur. Like Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like that. Like, like how Chewbacca would dress for the job. Clearly. Just for the Chewbacca you want. Not the Chewbacca you have. <laughs> so this private investigator gives up. He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. You're going to get us both killed by a Sasquatch. And they start getting into Spy Rock Road a lot. And this place sounds fascinating. It is apparently controlled by the Hells Angels. Very hard to get to. And uh, there's lots of historic. This is, they talk about like some strange murders that have happened there. And this is why I hate that they spend so much time on the war on drugs because it's getting really interesting. And then they talk about the war on drugs for like 20 minutes and it's very distracting. I had a hard time getting through that part. I was like, yep, I I do know. I do do know about it. Do they talk about um, immigrants working on weed farms before or after the war on drugs? After, huh? 
after. Yeah. And also, I don't feel like they. I felt like we'll get to it. I feel like that part was very like glossed over a bit. Me too. I wish they spent the time they did on the war on drugs on immigrants, like trying to find jobs and work. And but maybe they they did. And it was really sad. So I just don't remember. Yeah, I remember not. There was a big chunk, but not long after Trump got elected. I remember reading a story about all these northern California farmers who were upset that their farm workers were getting deported but also they all voted for Trump. It's like, so you thought he wasn't going to deport your workers, just the bad people. It's like, you fucking idiot. Yeah, the, wow. spoiler alert, there's like no bad ones. It's all of them that they're trying to get rid of. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's as many bad people as there are of any group. We we understand. I just didn't. <laughs> I'm painting with broad. My edibles are colliding, sorry. Edible collision! <laughs> Just so, what Sasquatch would want, really. So he calls a confidential <laughs> informant and says, uh, hello, can I speak to, and then they bleep it out. So at this point, I decided this confidential informant is named Fuck. Because it's like just <laughs> short enough, and it sounds so... Definitely not Chuck. No, it's Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. He talks to an informant named Fuck. Did anyone catch his motel room? There's just a really brief shot where he's making phone calls in his motel room. Yeah. And it's got like an actual glass front door on it. I don't like that. Oh, That's... no. It was a very weird vibe of the the motel room. That makes I me uncomfortable. Remember. It was super strange. Anyway, so this is where they, they talk a lot about David Holthouse himself and about how a lot of his work has been him uh, chasing his own demons in some respect. Yeah, I was like, when I first met David, not met, but like in the beginning, I'm like, ugh, that hair choice. And then they say that he went undercover with skinheads. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would also wear my hair as long as possible post skinhead. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Investigation. Yeah, that's that's a metaphor right on his fucking head. Right yeah, there. exactly. I liked how well they portrayed the depth of him in this. Yeah. And also I thought that it was really good that they got us to trust him before he even revealed any trauma to us. Cause that would have been the easy thing to do was to just tell us what happened out the gates. Also, it doesn't, it makes it so his trauma doesn't define him. I feel like sometimes right. when we learn characters, we learn their trauma first and then that's like who they are. Right. And I, I thought that they did just like a really good job of showing us that he had perspective so yeah. that we were never like, I don't know if I trust this main character. We were always with him on the story. Yeah, he's he's immediately very likable and trustworthy. Yes. Like, he also, I think part of what makes him so trustworthy is in the beginning, he's like, here's what I do know. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, I love that he's yeah. not like, this is what I'm sorting out to find. He's like, let's figure this out because this shit's weird. Yeah, he's yeah. like, this. Is, I, it's a story I heard. What do you want me to do? It's, yeah, exactly. It's the story I heard. Yeah, where he shares all that about himself. Like, he didn't have to do that. Like, no. the documentary would have worked without it. So 100. that's that's an example of them adding stuff that necessarily didn't need to be there, but I'm fine with it. Just like the California Gold Rush stuff. Hell yeah. Include all that. Yeah. So maybe this episode is better than we said it was when we first started talking. <laughs> we were about just it. like, we're sad now and we hate it. Back to Sasquatch, please. This I could have been a took- tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was so like emotionally draining. I mean, I it's because I also needed to get stuff done, but I think I took a break like mid episode too. 
for a while, like not in between episodes, but just mid mid episode two. I was like, let me get away from this. For I second. watched it all the way through. <laughs> Did not stop. I here's the thing. I also thought it was a movie at first, so yeah. I didn't start watching it until around 9 a.m. this morning. And then oh, once wow. I saw it was three episodes, I was like, shit, am I going to make it before I have to record? Oh, you watched it today? I did. Yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah, it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, I watched it Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I watched it whatever day you texted me about it. <laughs> Saturday. So I had a lot to think about. We get a little bit of foreshadowing into uh, a, a, a subject that's going to come up a lot later in this documentary, which is uh, people are super duper racist in this oh, yeah. part of California. He talks to Fuck, who tells him a story about two guys from L.A. who were murdered and buried in the area, and he tells that story incredibly racistly, which oh, here's the thing. The most. Spellcheck did not correct the word racistly, so apparently that's that's a word. Racistly. Yeah, that's that's apparently wow. a real word. You did that very racistly. I'm use that, that word. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, he drops the N-word a couple times. It's very bad. And it uh, does a good job of demonstrating something that they talk about later, which is how horribly racist that part of the country is, which I think people underestimate. A lot of people want to think that... People think that California is like some utopian, non-racist land. And really, it is so racist here. If you get out of L.A. at all, that it's just Trump signs everywhere still. Even in L.A., I've never lived somewhere yeah, as I was gonna say. segregated as LA like they, I have but <laughs> I mean I've lived in places that didn't have a ton of people of color like uh, South Dakota but yeah. even then it's not like everyone was in one neighborhood which is what they still really try to do in LA like yeah, it's, it's fucked up. super segregated here yeah. I uh, definitely romanticized the liberalness of the Bay Area before I moved there and like went there for college. I oh, was like, hey, my God. I'm just I did. I yeah. did. like even your first year there. And like if you're in your little college bubble, you do think it's like that. Yeah. You know, and then I like visited friends in Humboldt and I was like, yeah, this is going to be the really hippie. Oh, yeah. N- <laughs> New York is like that also mm-hmm. because it like. Mm-hmm. New York is always blue in the elections and people say, oh, Hillary Clinton, fucking super liberal. Nah, Manhattan is liberal. Uh, Like New York City is liberal. If you go 45 minutes north, you get to upstate New York. And that is all racist retired cops. I I lived in New York for six months and I split my time between Manhattan and upstate New York. And where I lived in upstate New York was fucking cop land. And it was the most openly racist place I've ever lived. It fucking sucked. Ugh. Anyway, Northern California has a similar energy. When I went there for um, like a weed convention, it is so like they just, it's seriously fucked up the things they'll just say to you. Like it's nothing too. And it's like, they just think that because you're in the same industry as them, maybe like that you understand where they're coming from on stuff and people will just say really fucked up racist or just like horrible things to you. Yeah. 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 The, the weed industry is not great at all. No, the weed industry is pretty fucked up and racist. Yeah. Well, is that, 
is that when it starts to, in the documentary around where we're talking about, is that where it starts to show like, cause I know it starts to show the migration of people going up North to want to live a free life and like not have running water and be away from things. And then it shows how that a lot of those people also were wielding guns. And like, Yeah. And they get into how living in that situation can make you a little crazy. Like it's a very yeah. isolated thing. Yeah, even if you go out with those righteous intentions. Yeah. Like, you start for, forgetting everything when you're super isolated, you know? You still got to protect your crop, baby. Yeah, Razor talks a lot about that. I liked Razor a lot. He was... Razor was yeah. yeah, he made a lot of really great points in this documentary whenever he talked. And one of the things he brought up about that thing where people would go up initially with, like you said, these noble intentions to just grow weed and be a hippie and then they'd spend one season up there and come back a completely different person like be it because they had money now or they had a drug problem now or something would change them and then they'd go back the next season yeah and then they talk about like needing to do uppers to trim all night long and stuff like that too which is like, I, de- I don't know. I definitely saw that happen to some people. Like, I personally have seen that happen, and it's gnarly. And it, even with no trauma, trimming is the most mind numbing gig that, like, like, even if your job goes perfectly, trimming is so monotonous that you will lose it a little bit. Yeah. If you're not listening to books the whole time, <laughs> and it, I felt like that was a really important detail because meth that is a whole like if you get really strung out on meth the hallucinations that can happen are really insane there's i'll link to it in the notes i should have sent it to you both so you could watch it it's this news report this this happened in omaha this couple i think they were just boyfriend and girlfriend i don't think they were married they were really young and they had been smoking meth all day and they at one point called 911 and they're like We're in our apartment in downtown Omaha. It's surrounded by Africans and they will not let us leave. And they end up on the phone with the police for four hours while the police are trying to figure out where they actually are. And they were in the middle of a field like three hours away, freezing to death. And the whole time they're like, we're in our apartment. It's surrounded. So once I heard that people were like smoking a ton of meth, I was like, oh, that might explain the Bigfoot thing, too. Yeah. And like just some of the descriptions of Bigfoot being like someone's watching you in the forest. Like I've I've hallucinated in the forest. You know who I just remembered that we haven't talked about is that former cop who was crying in his. Oh, yeah. That dude was lying. That motherfucker Something else happened and he replaced that memory with a Sasquatch memory. I was like, this dude is fucking lying. Wait, so what was his story again that he just saw? He just him? saw one. And he started like, sobbing. And I was like, he murdered someone in the forest. That's what happened. And they screamed. And that's what happened. Because it was the scream that really yes. made him start freaking yes. out. Yeah. And he totally killed someone in the forest. That was so yeah. strange. That was so weird. I've never seen someone talk about being scared the way he talked about being scared. Because that motherfucker was scared of his own mind. Yeah, that was really weird. I was glad they didn't spend too much time with that fucking weirdo. 
I almost want to watch that again with the with the knowing that I think he's lying to see if he does the things that liars do, which I'm sure he did. And that's why I immediately recognize it. But the whole like I bet he was like looking up and trying to disguise it as crying, which is why it was so dramatic. Yeah, he kept looking straight ahead, like at the road, not at the camera, mm-hmm. yeah. like trying to find his his lies. <laughs> Yeah, that I had it in the notes somewhere, but who knows? I, who knows? We, we did. I think we skipped over it. Yeah, that guy. Oh, so I'm glad you remembered that, Jen, though, because I blocked that out. Oh, my God. It was so weird. I was like, why would you even agree to go on camera if you were just going to lie and cry like that? He's been waiting for that opportunity to cover for himself. <laughs> yeah, they're going to find a body out there yes. someday. They won't. There's so many bodies. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> they're not gonna find think they're going to find that body. Because again, it's the ocean of the land. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. the woods are. So he he has another meeting with a confidential informant who says, you're looking for those three Mexican guys that beep killed back in 1993. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't think we ever learned this guy's name, but he is... No. He is a very prominent figure in this documentary. Uh, He's once again reminded his life might be in danger. And uh, no one wants to talk about this guy except one dude who is, again, awesomely named Ghost Dance. That's his name? His name was Ghost Dance. He's one of my favorite talking heads in the whole thing because he doesn't give a shit. He says he's never seen a Sasquatch, so he doesn't believe in it. He's He's like, well, I've never seen it with my two eyes, so no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a, a sketchy way to approach it. Like, I've never seen a California condor, but they exist. Yeah, but he's been up there for a long time. <laughs> That's true. One's <laughs> never come into my store. <laughs> so he brings up another murder that happened in 2013, which spins off into a whole other plot Thing. line in yes. this yeah. documentary. It, it Like, we're, get, we're getting to the point where I don't want to give too much more away but ah uh, but that part was uh just goes to show you people get fucking murdered up here like it's nothing yeah it was yeah. a guy named hugo he was sleeping in his tent guarding a weed growing spot and uh someone just shot through the tent that him. was the really sad part yeah 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 and yeah, they yeah. they interview his niece and she's still Ugh. super distraught over it yep. it's so sad yeah it's so fucked up he was the best uncle that's what she says it's like so sad yeah so yeah there's also that meth lady in the car (gasps) oh yeah yeah he meets this lady in a parking lot to talk about the murder and she talks about a completely different murder again a one that her one that her five-year-old son witnessed yes yeah she says that uh that was so ugh Two men were shot and that her son was close enough to it that he got blood spatter on his face and yes. tasted it a little. God, I hope he was young enough where he just doesn't remember it. Sounds like she remembers it enough that he remembers it. He was um, five. So I, I think that's he, pretty old. Yeah, he remembers because like, if you're like under six, your brain can be like, let's get rid of that. My grandmother on my mom's side died when I was uh in kindergarten or about to go to kindergarten. So I would have been like five. And I vividly remember walking in the living room and seeing my sister just sobbing. And mm. like, I don't remember much else, but it, like that part, I think. Formative was so, memory. Yeah. So yeah. 
man, if you're five and you see two people get shotgunned to death and the blood splatters on your face, I feel like you're going to remember it. Also, that lady, she got in the car with him for the interview and offered him a hit of meth. So just to let you know how like openly people use meth and talk about murder. Oh, 100%. And he offered to buy her a drink and she said no and lit her meth pipe in the bar. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I I like that. I mean, I don't like, but it's interesting that this place is so violent and just known like so scary to people that he even interviews a cop who's like, I'm not going to appear on camera. I fucking killed a cartel guy in a shootout a few years ago. Yeah, hell no. Like, oh, I forgot about that. No one wants to appear on camera. Except for not the guy a lot that of people. Lies. Yeah, except except Ghost Dance. Yes. Yeah, who I didn't love- do anything. I love Ghost Dance. And so he goes poking around on Sky Rock Road or Spy Rock Road. Where which, they immediately say, don't go there. Yes. Please, please, please do not go there. Yeah. And then he's there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's starting to become like a trope in documentaries. Yeah. Where, like, yeah. don't do it. Or, or they'll be interviewing someone who's like, oh, yeah, that person's never going to talk to you. Next scene, that person sitting down for an yeah. interview. It's like, oh, I didn't see it that coming. Always funny though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> sure enough, he goes up there and starts asking questions, and uh, he's he's told by a few different sources that the murder was ordered by a high level grower, possibly in retaliation for getting the grower's daughter strung out on heroin. And one of about fifty compelling theories that come after this. <laughs> Yes. One thing we do find out, though, is that the legendary Bigfoot, actually the name of a well-known weed grower in the area at the time, Bigfoot Gary. What a, yes. What a great fucking name. Can you imagine? I want to be called Bigfoot Gary. <laughs> I like. I I, I thought had big it, feet for my height. I thought it was funny enough when they were like, "Oh yeah, people called him Bigfoot," and then it's the it's the the meth woman who in the car is like, oh, Bigfoot? Yeah, I know him. His name's Bigfoot Gary. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's not as cool. <laughs> it was so funny, though, because they also did a thing that was very documentary-y where they were like, yeah, so people keep getting keep saying that there's murders by Bigfoot. And then it's like, so we talked to Bigfoot Gary. <laughs> so you guys trying to say without saying that Bigfoot Gary might have murdered these people. <laughs> Yeah, but the but then yeah, seems see, like I, he's just a dick. Yeah, yeah and I, seems, like, <laughs> seems like not a murderer, just not nice. And I I think one of the things that might be informing Jen's opinion there is that at one point Bigfoot Gary's wife calls and goes, <laughs> "My husband's not a murderer; he's a dick. But he's not a murderer." That's the best part. And then she's he's like, is Bigfoot Gary there? Can I just talk to him? Or do you need to? And then she just hands the phone to Bigfoot. He's like, can he talk to you? And he's like, why do they call you Bigfoot? And he's like, I got big feet. <laughs> what do you want? Well, we eventually and find out that was Bigfoot another... Gary wasn't even there in 1993. Yeah, more like Bigfoot, not very. <laughs> There was another Gary. He needed a nickname. <laughs> the other Gary. So, yeah, Small from Gary. From there, like, I don't want to give away too many details from there. Yeah, because, okay. like, that's a good spot. Because 
it really starts taking some twists and turns. And it seems like what happened is going to be one thing kind of right up to the end. And then what they settle on for an explanation is just mwah, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Granted, probably a hate crime. And uh, yeah. the, the people involved are monsters. But oh, man, that the meth fueled planning that went into it. And the plan they came out of it with, amazing. I am uh, so happy I was on this because I wouldn't click something that was called Sasquatch to watch without given some exposition of it being like this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, a Sasquatch, whatever. Yeah, once the, the I was like, what is this going to be tone wise? And then the opening was uh, produced by the Duplass brothers. And I was like, I'm fucking in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll watch anything those fuckers make. I really, really will. <laughs> yeah. And I actually didn't know this was a Duplass brothers thing until I started watching it. And then I was like, oh, you, fuck, yeah, this is going to be good. What do you think their homes look like? Just like conspiracies all over the place? What no. if they live in that motel room from room 104? Probably. <laughs> well, Mark's married to what's her name, who's really funny. And I feel like she just keeps oh, She's nice really home. dissecting my joke that I just yeah, made. Yeah, Sorry. She's really... <laughs> I started to really think about what their houses look like. And I'm like, I feel like very clean. I looked up their <laughs> wedding <laughs> registry online. They're rich. So definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're I'm rich. So- and don't Sorry have a clean house assignment series you can be rich and not have a clean house no no i said if you're rich and don't have a clean house what's what are the you problem? doing yeah what is wrong with you yeah you could be employing people oh really you're taking away jobs with your messy house being rich yeah it's like actors who do their own stunts. It's like you selfish prick. Let a stunt person what do that. What an asshole. So what did we what did we think of this documentary all all around? Thought it was really fun, as I said up top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd give it like an eight and a half or a nine out of ten, honestly. I really, really enjoyed it. Also for the dark, like what dark this is in it they still do a really good job of presenting it that it made me not super depressed because it was a lot of again stuff that like you already know is a systemic issue you know yeah and it's yeah. i mean the the racism is a problem and it, it like it, i'm already super depressed about things that were brought to attention in this yeah <laughs> yeah i i thought it was pretty well executed i do think it was a little too long but i mean at least it wasn't six episodes which is what oh, right. god it could have been too they could have really stretched a bitch out and it had really more interviews could've. and shit yeah but it also could have been a 90 minute documentary yeah. yes uh yeah i i could have seen a, a different filmmaker like trying to make all those different theories into one episode so mm-hmm. you're like following like the rape theory or the I don't want to give away all the theories, but and then you get to the end of the episode and they're like, no, nope, wasn't that. We'll talk about a different one next time. It's like, fucking don't bore us. Get to the chorus. So I, I appreciated that this wasn't that long. I thought everyone in it was relatively likable, except for a bunch of the criminals who seem like some racist fucks. Yes. But most of the talking heads are fine, except the sobbing cop who. Uh, and also, I liked that nobody who is bad is glamorized. There's right. no glamorization of anything happening that was terrible, which is really refreshing because I feel like so many documentaries like glamorize horrible murder. Yeah, yeah. they sure do. Yeah. And it was very much not that in this. It was a very let's get down to business. 
I agree. Yeah, and it, it doesn't end the way you're you're expecting. I I would say I did actually though at one point watching it have that thought like is this what they're doing? Like I don't even want to say, but I did have yeah. have the thought that maybe maybe they just you know I don't. No. Every, will no. everyone go watch this, please? Everyone, everyone watch and then it so we can talk tweet at us more. so we can talk about it with you yeah we'll have maybe all we'll of talk you talk about it more at, and we'll talk about the ending maybe on trend pony oh, oh. A little bit of promo for trend pony i mean just an idea that's smart <laughs> i like it why did you say idea like that <laughs> idea just an idea <laughs> i don't know i've been talking for like four hours <laughs> That's a good point. We should probably wrap this up. <laughs> what do we have to plug? You should listen to Trend Pony on the Unpops Network, patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. Uh, if, you if you're not listening to it, hey, fuck you. Uh, it's a yeah. podcast I host with uh, Jessica Singer and Jen Scott. Our guests that's today, us. that's them. That's uh, us. We should maybe record another episode of that soon. Like me. Yeah. Yes. 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 yes, yes. I leave for Costa Rica on uh, Thursday. Saturday. We're into scheduling. This is just plug, everybody. (laughs) She's leaving the country. Uh, Jessica, what do you have to plug? Uh, Jen and I are on a show in Chicago. Oh, my God. (laughs) On August August 25th. Please come to that. It's Women Crush Wednesdays at My Buddy Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. Jen is from Chicago. True. Chicago's great. We're going to have so much fun. It'll be I really don't have fun. any shows in L.A., but I do have. I do. I have. What, when is this coming out? I have. Um, Tomorrow. Oh, great. Uh, great, great, great. I have um, Chirp and Turf, which is August 12th, a Thursday. I have a show in San Clemente on the 13th. And you can check my Instagram for more because there's definitely more. Woohoo. Woohoo. Uh, yeah. I don't have any shows. Don't don't come see me. Don't come find me. Find him. I'm still staying inside. Uh, all right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Jessica, say goodbye. Bye. Jen, say goodbye. Bye bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Bye.